at Exodus chapter 15. The last portion of this chapter is what we're going to study tonight. Exodus chapter number 15. We're going to begin reading in verse number 22. And we're going to read down to verse number 25 of Exodus 15. We'll begin in verse 22. We'll read down to verse 25. We're going to study all the way down to verse 27. Exodus 15:22. the Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. The titled message this evening, as we look at the last portion of Exodus 15, is The Tree Made the Difference. The Tree Made the Difference. So in Exodus chapter number 15, we see the Israelites in the first part of the chapter, it's basically a song. It's a song that's recorded uh, for us that was sung by uh, the women there, by the people of Israel after the Lord had delivered them from Egypt. Uh, he had done great miracles by way of plagues to finally uh, break the will of Pharaoh to let them go. And so they were delivered from that bondage, from that uh, several hundred years of bondage where they were slaves to the Egyptians. And so they were delivered. And then after Pharaoh changed his mind and said, wait a second, I've let go of my free labor. I need to go get them back. Uh, he reneged on his decision. He hunted them. He chased them. Uh, and, and God uh, allowed them to be cornered at the Red Sea. And there God showed another miracle. Uh, he bent the laws of nature. He bent the laws of physics. By the way, God created the laws of nature and physics. He's not bound by the laws of nature and by the laws of physics. And he parted the Red Sea. And the Israelites walked across on dry ground. A miraculous event. A tremendous a high mountaintop moment in the life of the nation of Israel. They've been delivered from slavery, from bondage. God delivered them by great miracles. And then he parts the Red Sea. And then on top of that, he allows the Egyptian army to drown in that same Red Sea that he parted for the Israelites. This is what we would call a mountaintop moment. Would you agree? It's a mountaintop moment. I mean, it's a highlight. Uh, it's something that they will, uh, these that experienced it, will look back and say, man, do you remember? Do you remember when God did this and when he sent the second plague and the third plague and the fourth plague? Do you remember when we were delivered and, and, and we, we plundered the Egyptians and they said, just get out. They gave us all their stuff and they said, leave. Do you remember when God parted the Red Sea and then he drowned the Egyptian army in that same Red Sea. This was a mountaintop moment when they were finally across the Red Sea. The Egyptian army drowned. They sang a song of praise. And rightly so. Uh, when God blesses, when God performs miracles on our behalf, we should rightly sing praise. We should worship. We should bow our hearts and honor him and lift his name high because of the good things that he has done on our behalf. However, we understand that the mountaintop moments don't last forever. Are you all with me tonight? The mountaintops don't last forever. You see, because after the mountaintop comes what? Blah, 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 blah. Anybody awake? After the mountaintop comes the valley. The valley. You see, we're not on the mountaintops of life 100% of the time. 
Uh, we're never going to experience simply nothing but mountaintops. It's impossible. I've said this before, and, and I think this is a humorous statement. There was one guy who said, yeah, I experienced mountaintop moments 100% of the time. 100% of the time. And, and he was telling his pastor, he says, well, how is that possible? You couldn't possibly experience mountaintop moments 100% of the time. He says, oh, I do. He says, 50% of the time, I'm on the mountaintop, and the other 50% of the time, the mountain's on top of me. <laughs> so that's not necessarily a mountaintop. Uh, it's another valley. But listen, we go from mountaintops to valleys and to mountaintops to valleys. Every time we experience a mountaintop, it's almost always followed by a valley. And this is exactly what is taking place in the nation of Israel. They've experienced a wow moment. They've experienced a just, a just incredible miracle. They're on the mountaintop, but now they're getting ready to go right into the valley. They sing this song of praise, and it's recorded for us in Exodus 15, and it's an exciting time. It's a happy time. It's a, it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, they're just thrilled at what God has done, but they have no idea that the valley is right around the corner. They don't realize that what's going to happen next is not going to be so pleasant. It's not going to be so exciting. It's not going to be so enjoyable. And so we go from the mountaintop to another problem, another situation, another tribulation. And unfortunately, they do not handle it very well. Uh, the Lord, of course, thank, thank God that he gives them an answer to their problem. But let's look at how they respond to this valley, this trial, this tribulation, this valley in their life. Let's look at point number one, if you will. Point number one, we see the trouble in the wilderness. The trouble in the wilderness. Look at Exodus chapter number 15 and look at verse number 22. The trouble in the wilderness. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Okay, the first problem that we see is they're in the wilderness. They're in a barren, desert type of a place. They're in a, a place where uh, th there's no vegetation. There's no, uh, obviously, no water. Uh, there's, there's problems here. They're in the wilderness. They're not in the lush and plush fields where there's plenty of fruits and vegetables and things for them to be able to consume. Oh, no, no, no. They're in the wilderness. That's the first problem. The second problem is they can't find any water. They can't find any water. And so they travel for three days in this wilderness, in this barren, parched, dry, a scorched type of a land, and, and they can't find water to drink. This is a problem. Look at verse number 23. So they go from the mountaintop to this, this valley of the problem. Look at verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is, was called Marah. So they're, they're in the wilderness. Uh, they're traveling for three days. They can't find any water. And then finally, when they, they do find some water, they can't drink of the water because it's bitter water. Uh, it's, it's not drinkable water. And so can you imagine the frustration? I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Traveling for three days in the wilderness. It's dry. It's parched. It's, 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 it's almost uninhabitable type of a, a area. And, and you're thinking, man, if I could just have a drop of, uh, a drink of water, if I could just have a drop of water, I just need some water. Man, I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm parched. And then finally, yes, we found water and, and we can't drink this water. We can't drink this water. It's one problem after another problem after another problem. Problem after problem after problem. Now, the question on the floor tonight is this. 
were these people, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, were they in the will of God? It's not a trick question. All right? Were they in the will of God, yes or no? Yes, the answer is yes. They were in the will of God. They were obeying the, the leading of the Lord through the man Moses. God was leading them. God delivered them. God was, uh, follow, they were following God. Remember, they were following the Lord. Uh, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They're following the leading of the Lord. And yet the Lord is leading them into a place that's unpleasant. A place that's dry. A place that, that brings trouble. A place that brings tribulation. Listen, White Oak Baptist Church family, I'm here to tell you tonight that sometimes the will of God is for you and for me to be in a place that's uncomfortable. Sometimes that's the will of God. By the way, it was the will of God for Stephen to be stoned. That's a valley. But it was the will of God. It was the will of God for the Apostle Paul to end up in a jail cell. And you think, wait a second, that doesn't sound too pleasant. That was the will of God. By the way, let's not forget the, the most important will of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the will of God the Father for Him to suffer, for Him to be crucified, for Him to die for our sins. That was the will of God. And we think, well, wait a second, the will of God, you know, shouldn't it be, it should be this, it should be no problems, it should be smooth sailing, uh, no problems at all. And, and No, 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 the will of God many times brings tribulation. The will of God many times brings trouble. The will of God many times brings valleys. Is it, can it be that the Lord at times leads his people into a place of trial and difficulty? The answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says as much. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, if ye suffer for righteousness, as doing righteous, doing right, behaving in the, in the eyes of God, obedient to the Lord, if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Uh, same chapter, First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 17. The Bible says this, For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Are you picking up with what the Lord is saying here? He said, it's my will at times for you and for me to suffer. He, uh, the Bible says in First Peter chapter 4 and verse 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer... Listen now, that suffer according to the will of God. You mean it's the will of God for me to suffer sometimes? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Well, Pastor Morales, I don't like this kind of preaching. I'll be honest with you, I don't like it either. But it's in the Bible. So whether I like it or not, we need to teach it. We need to learn it. We need to experience it because we need it. And so uh, the key in the Christian life is to understand, is to accept that we will Suffer. If, is anyone like me who, uh, I'm, I'm the type of person where I, I, I'm the biggest baby, the biggest wimp. You know, if I'm sick, if my throat starts to get so, man, you can forget it. I'm a big baby. I hate pain. Uh, okay, look, uh, I'll give you an example, right? I, I got, I, have, I had an appointment to go to the, to the foot doctor. I got some problems with my feet. Anyway, I had an appointment. I went there. And uh, this was after we came back from vacation. Uh, I had my mask on. I was filling out papers. They said, have you traveled? And I'm not going to lie. I said, yes. Where have you been? 
well, you know, I went to this state, then I went to this state, then I went to this state, then we came back to Connecticut. They said, do you have a uh, negative COVID test? I said, no. They said, we can't see you, Mr. Morales. I said, okay. They, uh, they said, well, let's reschedule. So we rescheduled for a couple weeks, and uh, then I said, okay, I'll come back. And they said, well, you got to have a negative COVID test. I said, even if it's two weeks later, isn't that like, you know, come in and be in quarantine? And they said, no, no, we have to have. I said, okay, all right, okay, I'll get the test. And so I'm looking up tests, I'm looking up tests, I'm, I'm looking up places. And I could have had the test done by now, but I've seen what this test, what they do on, in these tests, at least according to pictures and videos. They take some long piece of thing and shove it all the way in your nose. I mean, they're poking your brain, and I'm like, ah, I'm not sure. <laughs> see, I'm a big wimp. You see what I'm saying? I'm scared to death to have them stick, shove something way up my nose that's going to come out my ear. You know, I don't know. You know, that's a, I don't want that, but eventually I'm going to have to get it done at some point if I want to go back to the foot doctor. So listen, I'm the type of Christian that says, I don't want pain, I don't want suffering, I don't want trials, I don't want troubles, I don't want persecutions, I don't want valleys, I don't want any of that stuff. God says, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and as the longer I'm saved and the longer I live in this world, in this life, God is saying you have to embrace the suffering. You have to expect the suffering. You have to be willing to let me mold you and shape you through the suffering. As long as we understand, hey, suffering is going to come. We'll stay faithful to church. As long as we understand that bad things are going to happen to us, We'll stay faithful to our Bible reading, to our prayer time, to our life group class, to Great Commission Saturdays, to our service uh, in the church, to, to nursery, to singing specials, to whatever. We will stay faithful as long as we understand trials are going to come. We expect them. We embrace them. In his newspaper column called Market Report, Bill Barnhart once explained the difference between investors and traders in the stock market. He said this, and I quote, a trader is a, in a stock rather is making decisions minute by minute in the hope of shaving off profits measured in fractions of a dollar. An investor, uh, on the other hand, typically buys or sells a stock based on views about the company and the economy at large. In other words, traders are wheelers and dealers. They pursue short-term profits. Traders may have zero confidence whatsoever in the companies in which they buy stock, but they buy smelling an immediate payoff. By contrast, an investor, uh, that's a person that's in it for the long haul. They, quote unquote, chain themselves to the mast. Uh, investors commit their money to a stock, believing that over a period of years and even decades, that stock will pay strong dividends and steadily grow in value. Investors, they're not flustered by the typical ups and downs of the market because they believe in the quality of the company. They believe in its leaders. They believe in its product. Now, listen, the same can be said of the Christian. In the kingdom of God, there are also investors and traders. They come to the Lord with very different goals. The traders in the kingdom of God, they want to improve their lot in this world. You see, uh, if they, if they uh, following Christ means pain or hardship... No, thank you. I'm out. I don't want any parts of that. Whereas an investor, uh, he understands that the eternal dividends await them and they stay true to the Lord no matter what. The, the investor in the kingdom of God says, I, I'm staying faithful because I have confidence in 
God. I have confidence in His product. I have confidence in His company, so to speak. I trust Him. And it doesn't matter. The ups and downs, I won't get flustered. The ups and downs, I won't get, I won't quit. The ups and downs, they're not going to throw me off the saddle because I'm invested. I'm invested. Listen. The only way, and I love this quote, I saw this uh, a few months back. The only way that God can show us He's in control is by placing us in a situation where we're not in control. Everybody with me tonight? The only way that God can show you and me that, hey, He's the one in control is by putting us in a place where we have no control. We can't fix it. We can't change it. We can't adjust it. Uh, we can't, you know, uh, call mom and dad, or we can't call the pastor, or we can't, uh, hey, have someone bail us out. No, no, no. We have to trust God to take care of it and understand that he's in control. So we see the trouble in the wilderness. Let's look at point number two. We see the talking in the wilderness. The talking in the wilderness. Exodus chapter number 15. Look at verse number 24. Exodus 15, verse 24. The Bible says, and the people, what's the next word in your Bible there? Uh, let's say it all together, right? And the people, what's the next word? Murmured. Murmured, murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And I, I like the word murmur, not because I like, you know, the act of murmuring, but I like the fact that the word murmur sounds exactly like what it is. It's complaining and speaking under the breath and, and just, can you believe it? How dare he? And who's he thinking? And I can't believe he brought us here. And I, I, do you see what he put us into? Just constant complaining and bickering and belly aching and whining and, gri- and griping. That's what they were doing. I can't believe Moses brought us out here. I can't believe now. It's been three days. We can't find any water. We don't have any water to drink. This water that we found is undrinkable. Man, we're going to die out here. They immediately forgot all the blessings and all the miracles that God had done. Y'all remember the ten plagues? Y'all remember he turned water into blood? You all remember the stories in Exodus where, where he, he sent frogs? I mean, there were frogs everywhere for the Egyptians and no frogs where the Israelites were. He sent swarms of flies, and, and, and he, he sent the death of their uh, cattle, and, and all these things happened. God did that miraculously on their behalf, and it's like they completely forgot. They complete. I, I like the sign. This is the only sign language word that I know, is the, the sign for forget is right here. It's completely out of, the, out of sight, out of mind. They completely forgot everything God had done. All the plagues, all the miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, the drowning of the Egyptian army. It's completely gone because now all of a sudden, uh, where's the water? Where's the water? Where's the water? We're going to die out here. I, I tend to think that one of the favorite pastimes of the nation of Israel, the Jews, was complaining, griping, belly aching, moaning. I tend to think that in the 21st century, uh, one of the favorite pastimes of the Christian is complaining, Griping, moaning, belly aching. I think that's one of our favorite pastimes. I like this post. Uh, my wife Trina posted this on Facebook back in 2017. Uh, and I thought it was a great quote. It fits perfectly with this message. Uh, a quote from the late Zig Ziglar that said, and I quote, Talking about our problems seems to be our greatest addiction. Talking about our problems seems to be our greatest 
addiction. He goes on to say in his quote, break the habit. Break the habit of complaining, is what he's saying. Break the habit of murmuring. Break the habit of, of, of bellyaching and griping and, oh, I can't believe it, it's, it's raining outside. Well, you know what? Today's not the last day it's going to rain outside. What, what do we do when, it, when summer hits? Oh, it's so hot. And then when winter hits? Oh, it's so cold. And then when the snow comes up? Oh, it's too much snow. Am I the only one that does this? I'm not the only one that does this, right? Oh, it's to this, it's to that. We belly. He says, talking about our problems seems to be our greatest addiction. Break the habit. Then he goes on to say in the last part of the quote, talk about your joys. Talk about your blessings. Talk about the good things that God has done in your life. Man, let's change the habit of what our lips and our tongue say so quickly and so regularly. Look at Exodus 15, look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. God basically told them, just shut up and trust me. Look at verse 26. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Stop complaining, stop griping, stop bellyaching. I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. The Lord knows that we need a little problem here and there every now and then, or we will quit trusting Him. Uh, He wants us to stay close, and so He allows uh, some trials, some valleys in our life to keep us close to Him. He also knows that we won't long for heaven if everything here on earth is just peachy peachy and and, and better roses and and smooth sailing. Listen, I don't know about you, but when problems come come into my life, I say, man, I can't wait to go to heaven. Y'all with me? When, when, you know, just this past Sunday night, we made the announcement that November 8th is our last day here, and, and I'm in the back, and, and I'm saying goodbye to some people, even though I'm not, I haven't left yet, amen? Uh, you know, we're hugging folks, and some are shedding tears, and I say, you know what, I can't wait till we get to heaven. No more goodbyes. Amen? No more, you won't be able to get rid of me in heaven. Who knows, I might just be Brother Okai's neighbor in heaven. My mansion right next to his, amen? I'm going to give him a hard time for all of eternity. <laughs> Listen, I I can't wait. I long for heaven. The more problems and trials I experience here, the the, the greater my desire for heaven. Listen to this quote. This is profound. Most Christians have chosen heaven over hell, but not many Christians have chosen heaven over earth. Most Christians have chosen, man, I don't want to go to hell. I'll take heaven all day long. But when it comes to my pleasures here, my, enjoy, my enjoyment here, uh, my, 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 uh, my life here being just blessed, man, man I, I'd rather do this than think about there. I'd rather invest in here than invest in there. I'd rather focus on here. And Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Set it like a, like a thermostat. You want it to be 70 degrees in your home, you put it on 70. You tell the, 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 either the heater or the AC, you tell it what you want the temperature to be. You don't just say, well, whatever it decides, I'll just, you know, I'll just deal with it. No, no, no. You set it. You set it. And God says, set your heart, your affection, your desires on heavenly things, on spiritual things. 
Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. But as long as everything is comfortable here, we won't long for heaven. As long as we focus on the nasty now and now, we won't focus on the sweet by and by. Everybody with me tonight? Let's make sure we set our affection on things above. Uh, let's quit belly aching. Let's quit griping. Let's quit complaining. Uh, let's change the habit of focusing on the negative and focus on the positive and the spiritual. Johnny Erickson Tata, she's a writer and a speaker. She was paralyzed from the neck down in a diving accident when she was a teenager. In her book, Secret Strength, Johnny wrote about facing temptation. She said, I was in my late 20s. I was single and with every prospect of remaining single. Sometimes lust or a bit of fantasizing would seem so invigorating. Uh, it would seem so inviting and so easy to justify. After all, hadn't I already given up more than most Christians had given up just by being disabled? Didn't my wheelchair entitle me to a little slack now and then? Johnny asks her readers, when God allows you to suffer, do you have the tendency to use your very trials as an excuse for sinning? Or do you feel that since you've given God a little extra lately by taking such abuse, He owes you a day off? Johnny Erickson Tata, she's paralyzed from the neck down. Johnny Erickson Tata teaches us that there is no excuse. Not suffering, not great sacrifice, not even paralysis for indulging impurity in our hearts. So we see the trouble in the wilderness. We see the talking in the wilderness. Let's look at number three. We see the tree. The tree in the wilderness. The title of the message is The Tree Made the Difference. The Tree in the Wilderness. Notice the, the different types of water that we see in Exodus chapter 15. Look at uh, letter A under point number three. We see no water. No water. Uh, Look at Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. This is when you're dry, you're parched, you're you're, you're just worn out, you're thirsty, uh, and you have nothing. Uh, Maybe you feel burned out, maybe you feel dry, maybe you feel spiritually dehydrated. Man, you're just, you're worn out, you can't give anymore, you're dry. There's nothing more to give. We all feel that way at times. Then not only do we see no water, then we see bitter water. Let it be. Bitter water. Verse number 23. We see when they came to the waters of Marah. Bitter water. Look at verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Now, okay, no water, that's when you're dry. Man, you've, you're, you're just, you've done all you can. Uh, you're parched. You're dry. Uh, man, there's nothing else you can give, man. You're just worn out. You're burned out. That's no water. And then when there's bitter water, that's when, man, you've experienced a valley, a trial, a tribulation, a hardship. And, and man, it hurts. Uh, you, it's, you, you've experienced a lot of pain. And in some cases, we become a little upset with God. We can become a little disheartened. We can become disillusioned. 
We can think, well, I don't deserve this. And how can God? And, and, and it's sometimes we can become a little bit bitter and we, we get mad about our circumstances. We get mad about our situation. Well, we get mad about the job that we have or, or, or we get mad about the job that we don't have or we get mad about the, the spouse that we have or we get mad about our kids not o- obeying or we get mad about uh, the, 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 the neighbor that we have or we get mad about the, the hunk of junk car that we drive or we get mad about this and that and the other and we can become bitter. We can become bitter. We either have no water, we're dried out. We can have bitter water, we're mad at, at certain circumstances. We see letter, uh, letter C, we see sweet water. Sweet water. What makes the difference between a person who's bitter and dry and, and parched and angry? What makes the difference? The tree makes the difference. Look at Exodus 15, look at verse 25. Verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters... The waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Listen, that sweet water, uh, that sour situation turns sweet when we throw the tree in. That that angry situation, that angry heart, man, it, it, it becomes calm when we consider the tree. Y'all see the correlation here. He took a tree and threw it in the water and it changed the situation. And listen, I don't know about you, but for me, when God took the tree of Calvary and he placed it into my life, man, he made a tremendous change in me. Y'all with me tonight? The tree made all the difference. I mean, I was, I was an unsaved young man, uh, doing whatever he wanted, whatever he wanted, with whomever he wanted, and just living my life and, and living it up as much as I could as a 17, 18 year old, and, and God said, no, 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 you're on the path to destruction. You're gonna destroy yourself. You're going to ruin your life. I need to throw in the tree. And I'm so glad he threw the tree into my life. I'm so glad he took the tree of Calvary. And he said, Pedro, this is what you need. This is what you need. I'm so glad uh, that that tree is what saved my never dying eternal soul. I'm so glad that when I get to the bitter situations, when I get to the dry and parched situations, when I get to those valleys in my life, I look to the tree and I say, Lord, I need your power. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your strength, Lord, because I can't make it on my own. And we look to the tree of Calvary. And it makes the difference each and every time. Because he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He, he knows what we're experiencing. He knows what we're going through. He has felt it himself and he can secure. He can encourage us. He can lift us up. He can keep us moving forward. And add the tree. I don't know what the situation is in your life. I don't know what it is that you're going through that's making you bitter, that's making you angry, that's making you dry, that's making you worn out and, 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 and burned out. I don't know what it is in your life. I know what it is for me that I need to apply the tree to. I need to consider the cross. I need to look at the Lord Jesus Christ as he was, as he was bludgeoned, as he was beaten, as he was bloodied, as he was, had those nails piercing his hands and his feet, as he had that spear going into his side, as he had that crown of thorns shoved onto his skull, as he took that, that flagellum, whipping and ripping, whipping and ripping, whipping and ripping. And I say, Lord, what I'm going through is nothing. Compared to what you went through. Lord, this is hard, but it's nowhere near as hard as that. 
Lord, this, this, this is painful, but it's nowhere near as painful as that. Lord, I don't enjoy this, but Lord, it's nowhere near as, as, as hurtful as what you went through. The tree makes all the difference. We see no water. We see bitter water. We see sweet water. Letter D. We see bountiful water. Bountiful water. Look at Exodus 15 and verse 27. Exodus 15 and verse 27. The Bible says, And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Wow. Now, not only do they have plenty of water, they have an abundance of water. Now they have plenty of water for everyone. And not only that, there's palm trees. And, and now, all of a sudden, this is no longer a, a place that's, that's dry and that's dusty and that's parched. And now it's a place where God is blessing so much, they can't even contain it all. The tree made the difference. Listen, it was in the Garden of Eden that a tree messed us up. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what messed us up. But it was at Calvary that a tree fixed us up. Amen? It was in the Garden of Eden that a tree ruined our relationship to God. But it was on Calvary that a tree restored our relationship to God. It was in the Garden of Eden that a tree brought punishment to all mankind. But thank God that it's at the tree of Calvary that brings pardon to whosoever will. Hey, the tree makes a difference. The tree makes all of the difference. Listen, are you going through some bitter situations? Are you dealing with some, some dry, parched, difficult stuff? Can I make a suggestion this evening? Can I make a suggestion? Add the tree. Throw in the tree. Consider Calvary. Don't forget of all that he's done, all that he's experienced for you and for me. Oh, may it not be a bore. May we not yawn at, at all that God has done. And may we think back and say, you know what? What I'm going through is tough. But man, all that I have in my future, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great because of the tree of Calvary. And you know what? There's going to come a day in the future where there's another tree. A tree in heaven that the Bible says that the leaves of that tree are for the healing, permanent healing of the nations. So we had the tree in, in, in Eden that messed us up, that ruined everything. We have the tree at Calvary that fixes us up, that restores everything. And then we have the tree, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2, in the midst of the street of it, talking about heaven, uh, and on either side of the river was the river of life. Uh, the river, uh, there was the tree of life, uh, the river of glass. There was a tree of life which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Let's apply the tree. Let's apply the tree. Listen, tonight, when you go home, whatever you're going through, consider Calvary. Tomorrow, when you get up in the morning, you go to whatever, wherever it is you're going to go. And, and maybe it's traffic that's a problem. Maybe it's a coworker that's a problem. Listen, I don't know. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's an, a foreman, uh, an employee. Apply the tree. Apply the tree. Consider Calvary. Consider Christ and all that he did for you on Calvary. And listen, when we look at the cross, our problems pale. Our problems are nothing compared to what the cross has done for us. Y'all with me tonight? The tree made all the difference. 
You got problems tonight? Apply the tree. Consider Calvary. It will change your perspective. Just like it made a difference in the life of the Israelites in that valley, it will make a, a difference in our life as well. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Exodus 15. Thank you, dear God, for the application that we can make from this story that's a true life event that happened to real people. Lord, there were people that you literally, physically delivered from bondage. That you literally and physically allowed to cross and walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. Lord, this actually happened. We believe it. And Lord, we believe also that when Moses threw the tree into the waters, they were made sweet. And our situations can also be made sweet. Oh, that doesn't mean that the pain will go away. That doesn't mean that we'll never suffer. But Lord, that means that we can tolerate it. We can handle it. Lord, that with your power and with your strength, we can make it through. Lord, help us to consider Calvary, to include the tree of Calvary in every situation of our life. We love you, Lord. Dismiss us now with your blessing. In Christ's name we pray.